So, uh, Howard, wonder if you could do something for me. I'll try. Um, are you prepared to uh, play all these instruments and sing a song? Uh, because I, I don't know if you know this or not, mm-hmm. but they had another song to do when you came up here. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, like, you, so like you, you I come up one. and they're all, they're all like standing here going, I guess we're done. I mean, like, are we that supposed was okay. to like you stay A lot of impromptu here? things happen. Uh, it does. What, what song uh, were they doing? I've got it. I, no, I, I think we've got it. You <laughs> go got, on no, down. Okay. Yeah, so like, I was like, I'm pretty sure he jumped in the gun a little bit there. And so after Bryn was done, I, I whispered to her, Howard, I was like, did he like short change all the song? And she said, yes. So uh, actually what I did was I asked Howard to do that so I could even have longer to preach. So thanks, Howard. I appreciate that. Appreciate that. Uh, good morning. We are absolutely thrilled that you are here. If I've not had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Alan Pittman. I have the pleasure of serving as uh, the senior pastor here, as well as one of our elders. And we are absolutely thrilled that you're here. Uh, I know some of you are here because you're visiting family that's in town. Uh, I know some of you are here because a friend invited you. Uh, I know others of you, you may just be here because this is your first time here and you're wanting to know what all of this is about. And so we are absolutely thrilled that you are here for whatever reason God has drawn you here. And uh, whenever I say curious kind of what this is all about, I'm not talking about what, what living hope is all about, although we're going to talk about some of that. Rather, what I mean by what all of this is about is I'm talking about Jesus. Like, what, it, what does it mean to worship him, and why should we worship him, and how are our lives going to look different because of that? And so we're uh, just absolutely thrilled that you're with us today. Hopefully when you came in, you picked up a worship guide, and on the back of the worship guide is the place where you can take notes. If this is your first time with us, I want to say on the front end, this is not how I normally preach. Uh, Normally I will preach uh, verse by verse, and we're walking through uh, a book of the Bible, like right now we're walking through the book of Acts, but not today. In fact, at the bottom you'll see that next week we'll be back in the book of Acts We'll be looking at Acts chapter 20, verses 13 through 38. The reason we put those verses at the bottom is because you can find it helpful to read the verses uh, ahead of time so that when you come in on Sunday morning, uh, you're kind of uh, already prepared to hear the message. If you don't have a chance to read it ahead of time, that's okay. Hopefully, you'll still be able to understand the message. But today is a little bit different. We're going to be looking at more of a topical approach uh, to some things about who God is calling us to be. And so I just wanted on the front end to say, if you're wondering how does Alan normally preach, it's not like today. Uh, you can go online and watch previous sermons, and you can kind of see a, a feel for how our services normally are on Sunday mornings. Um, but anyway, glad that you're here today. If you don't have a Bible with you, uh, there should be a Bible near you, underneath your seat or beside you or whatever. You can feel free to use that. We'll also have the scripture on the screen. Normally, we'll be in one text the whole time. Today, we're going to be jumping around a bit. Um, and if you kind of get tired of chasing us through the scripture, you can follow on the screen. If you don't have a Bible or you know someone in your life that would benefit from one, feel free to take that copy with you. That'll be our gift to you uh, this morning from our church family. Um, if you are a guest, we would love to be able to connect with you, get to know you a little bit better. A couple ways we can do that is after the service is over with, I'll be out in the uh, foyer area, the lobby area. Would love for you to swing by and say hello to me. Also, uh, there's a connection card. Ricky mentioned it on the video. Should be in a seat in front of you or maybe one seat down from you. It looks like this. And you can fill this out as much as you feel comfortable doing so. 
and then drop that in the offering plate when it's passed at the end of the service. And then we can reach out to you this week and kind of let you know what's going on in the life of our church family or any decisions you may uh, be making. Obviously, this time of year is always very busy. Um, here's the deal. I normally have a clock going up here, and I forgot to start my clock's clock, so all that was free. I get extra time after all. Uh, this time of year is always super busy, right? Uh, a new school year is here, and all the stuff that comes with a new school year. And in addition to that, um, other things kick off, like football kicks off. And I will say this, um, last week I preached a sermon on Eutychus, who uh, was a guy who fell asleep in the middle of a sermon. Uh, this whole front row here, I think, almost entirely played in a football game last night in Allen, Texas, and got back and got in bed like two hours ago, and they're here, so please don't fall asleep on me. Uh, and the rest of us, hopefully not fall asleep either, but this time of year it really is busy, right? We've got football, we've got all the festivities that come with it, we've got the new year of a school going on, and then church is really no different from all of that, as we start lots of new things with the beginning of a new school year. If you're a college student and you're new to our church today or last week, you may be wondering, well, what all do we have for college students? And I do want to throw this out because I was on the phone with a college student this week and he just said, well, what's going on in college ministry at your church? So if you're a college student, please know that we have a few different things going on until then, but specifically September the 10th, uh, just as our church is starting some equipping classes, we're going to be having a college uh, Bible study on Sunday mornings. And that'll be at 9 o'clock. I believe there's going to be some breakfast that first morning on September the 10th. And um, if you're a, a new college student to town or to our church, I would encourage you, I'm um, looking towards Callie and Jen. Are y'all going to be around after the service is over with? Or I don't know if Jen's here. Um, but Callie, I'm going to ask you if you'll make yourself available out in the foyer way as well. And so if you're interested in kind of hearing more about our college ministry, stop by and say something to me and I'll point you towards Callie so that you can get to know her. But with all this kicking off, the question is, why do we do the things we do as a church family? I mean, this time of year is busy, yes. So why do we kick off all of these things? The reality is this. When is the year not busy? So August is busy because of this, this, and this. But then September is busy because of this, this, and this. And then when we get into October, we're decorating for fall. Some of you have already done that. I don't get it. Um, and then we're headed into Thanksgiving and Christmas and then, oh my goodness, a new year is here. And then there's tax season to get ready for. And then there's graduations and end of the par year party. And you're like, slow down, Alan. The reality is all of life is busy. So the things I'm talking about today are the things that should drive us in our lives, regardless of how quote unquote busy our lives are. Because if you're waiting for your life to slow down, it doesn't. Unless you're a new half-empty nester. At our house, we've decided we should have kicked the girls out sooner. It's like slower at our house. It's not necessarily quieter, but it is slower. But in all seriousness, life is busy, right? What is it that drives us? What should it be that drives us? One day, there was a lawyer that came up to Jesus, and he had decided he was going to try to somehow trap or trick Jesus by asking him a question. So he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, would you tell us, please, what is the most important commandment 
of all. I'm going to get my number slightly off. I always want to say one or the other. There are either 613 or 617, I can't remember which one, laws in the Old Testament. And they're trying to trap Jesus into narrowing it down to one thing. And they're like, Jesus, what is the most important commandment of all? And we're going to look at that. This is going to be the basis for where we're going this morning. On the back of your sermon notes, you'll see the title is With All Your Heart. And so let's look at these verses. Matthew chapter 22, verses 37 and 38. And this is what Jesus answers. For those of you that know this text, yes, we're coming back to verse 39 in a minute. Let's just look at 37 and 38 for now. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. That phrase, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. That's our focus this morning. What does it mean to love the Lord with all of our heart? I want you to hear me say on the outset, Everything I'm asking of you this morning should be motivated out of our love for Jesus and not simply because Alan is asking it of you. What I'm not asking for, I'm not asking you to be a good little church member today. I'm not even asking you to be a good little Christian today. I'm asking you, do you love the Lord with all your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength? And if so, our actions and our responses should exhibit that our answer is a resounding yes. Now, you may be wondering, why, why is it segmented? Why does he say, and it depends on which, um, uh, in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, sometimes these stories are the same story, kind of repeated in a couple different places. And depending on where you're looking, uh, there's different phrases here. But in the book of Matthew, he captures heart, soul, and mind. These three things are not mutually exclusive. Like, okay, I'm going to love God with all my heart, and then I'm going to come over here, and I'm going to love him with all my mind, and then all my strength. Like, No, all of those things are actually overlapping categories and what Jesus is telling us is that we should so love him with everything that we have to its fullest capacity so the starting point this morning and the starting point in general is a love for God which in turn helps us to follow him in my message I'll normally ask a question at the end of a section which means I'm gonna move to a new section So here is the question. You may want to jot it down. I want you to think about this question. And this should drive everything we're talking about today. And here's the question. Do you love the Lord with all your heart? Do you love the Lord with all your heart? My response to that is, if so, this impacts everything you do. So for instance, the first Note that will be on the screen, it's not on your sheet of paper unless you jot it down, is this. If you love the Lord with all your heart, you will obey his commands. If you love the Lord with all your heart, you will obey his commands. It's not, I will obey his commands so that he loves me. Rather, my love for him should motivate me to say yes to the things he commands of me. Consider what Jesus says. He says it a couple of different ways, but consider what he says in John chapter 14, verse 15. Here's what it says. If you love me, Jesus says, you will keep 
my commandments. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Do you love the Lord with all your heart? If so, you will keep his commands. You see, obedience has to flow out of a heart that is in love with Jesus. It's not obedience in a pursuit of self-righteousness. The reason we obey the commands that are in God's Word should not be to make ourselves self-righteous and work for something. Rather, our obedience should be 100% because of our love for Jesus. See, we can't obey Jesus if we don't love Him. And we can't love Him if we don't obey Him. They are both necessary What I'm saying is, if you love Jesus, you will obey Him, and therefore, if you're not obeying Him, that's an indication you don't love Him. So here's my question on this section. Reflect on your actions, and here's the question. Do your actions demonstrate that you love Jesus? So I asked you to begin with, do you love Jesus with all your heart? And you may have resoundingly said, yes, absolutely I do. But if you're being honest with yourself, now make an assessment of whether you answered that answer, that question truthfully. And that question that will help you identify that is, do your actions demonstrate that you love Jesus? So again, the motivation is our love for Jesus. And because we love Jesus, we should obey his commandments. Let's look at another commandment that he gives us, and it comes right on the heels of his answer to the first question. The lawyer came to him in Matthew chapter 22 and said, do you love, uh, sorry, the lawyer came to him and said, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then verse 39, Matthew chapter 22, verse 39, Jesus says, and a second is like it. And that is, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says, That one way that we can identify, do I love Jesus, is if I obey his commands. And if I obey his commands, that necessitates that I love my neighbor as myself. You're like, my neighbor gets on my nerves. (laughs) I shall not say which person this is, but a friend of mine lives right over whichever direction. I'm turning around inside the building. Right over that direction, okay? And he has, not because of him, but his neighbor, has a piece of twine or rope, I kid you not, staked from front to the back of the property so that no one shall touch his yard. So you're like going, I've got a neighbor like that. Like, I can't get along with my neighbor. I've got a news for you. When Jesus says we're to love our neighbors ourselves, he's not just talking about the neighbor beside you. He's talking about any and everyone we come in contact with. So the question is, do you love others? You see, if you love the Lord with all your heart, you will love others. Here's Jesus' commandment that he gives to us in John chapter 13. Perhaps you're familiar with this. Let's look at this together. John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35. And Jesus says, I've given you a new commandment, and here's what the new commandment that I give to you is, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. 
By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So my question, my question for you in this section is, can the world tell that you are his disciple by your love for others? Well, Alan, I love most people. I just can't stand those Eagles fans, and that's where it stops. I'm kidding. I've got Eagles fans in here, and I love them too. The Lord says to love your enemy. No, I'm teasing. Uh, We are to love one another. It says that the world will know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. I was chatting with another church member this morning, and I shan't say who, but we were talking about this cesspool called Twitter. And I'm embarrassed at times to look and to hear me say, I don't always respond like I should on social media. But there are some pastors on social media that you couldn't tell they love Jesus by the smack talk they do about others. Before any of us get high and mighty, though, my question is, what about in your daily life? Are others able to look at you and see that you love people, or would they say, I wouldn't have a clue this person loves anybody? Jesus says they'll know that we are his disciples by our love for one another. Let's keep going. If you love the Lord with all your heart, then you're going to be committed to your local church. If you love the Lord with all your heart, then you will be committed to your local church. And I want it to be really careful when we get to this section. Because again, I'm not asking you to be a good little church member. I'm not asking you to fill all the little slots. I'm not asking you to do this and that. Rather, what I'm saying is this, that if you love Jesus with all your heart... It should be natural for you to want to be in and a part of and love his church. Do you know what Jesus refers to his church as? His bride. Last time I checked, if you talk smack about somebody's bride, I think that's the second time I've used that word, but if you talk smack about somebody's bride, it's not going to set well with them. So how can we not love the church and be a part of it and also claim that we are fully loving Jesus with all our hearts. Now, I purposefully said your local church because I know that in this room, the vast majority of the people in this room will be a part of Living Hope. But I also know there are some that are visiting and you're from out of town and Living Hope is not your church home and you're very active with your church family back home. And so the reality is, this is a true statement, that if you love Jesus with all your heart, then you will see the importance of commitment to your local church, wherever that may be. Let's look at a passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to kind of jump around on purpose because there's so many verses here in this section. I'd encourage you to read the whole section later, but I'm going to read four or five verses uh, kind of quickly that will summarize what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and why it is that we should love and commit ourselves to our local body. Here's what it says. Paul's writing to the Corinthians, and he's telling them what it means to be a part of the church body or church family. He says in 1 Corinthians 12, beginning in verse 12, Paul says, For just as the body is one, talking about the human body, and has many members, and the members of the body 
Though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Verse 14 says, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. Then let's go to verse 18. And he begins to describe how God brings to the body the church whom he wants to be a part of the church. And here's what it says in 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And then verse 27 It says, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. So let's think for just a minute. Let's think for just a minute. If you have trusted in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've come to faith in Jesus, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you're a Christian, then whether or not you're a member of a local body of Christ, you are a member of the body of Christ, right? But did you know that the vast majority of the times that the word church is used in the New Testament, it is more highly used about a local body instead of the universal church. So if we're not careful, we can go, you know what, I trust in Jesus and therefore I'm a part of the body of Christ. And that would be a true, correct statement. But it's no excuse to then say, but I have no need, no desire, no importance of being a part of a local body of Christ. The truth of the matter is, if I'm a follower of Jesus, if I love him, then I need to realize that I am called to be a part of a local body and that each one of us is equally important in the body. It's not about the pastor. It's not about the elders. It's not about the deacons, the ministry leaders, the, 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 the hope group leaders, the whoever they may be. It's about God and his people, and we are all in this together. And so it says that we are equally important, each one needs each other, and that God brings the body together as he sees fit. And what I'm saying to you is, you are not here by accident. If this church is your church family and you're a member of it, you're not here by accident. If you've been here for weeks or months or even years and you've never joined this church family, that's not by accident that you are here. You need to go ahead and take a step and go, you know what? I need to commit to the local body and I need to become a member of the church, not so that I'm a good little Christian, but because I love Jesus and I want to commit to the local body. And so the question is, the question is, are you filling the role that God has given you in the local church? Are you filling the role that God has for you in the local church, and does it even matter to you? All right, so those are kind of the overarching things. The main thing is we are called to love God with all of our heart. My question is, do you love the Lord with all your heart? If so, then you need to obey His commandments, one of which is, Loving your neighbor, loving people, loving others, and another of which is to be committed to his church family. So now I'm going to spend the remainder of our time considering why it is that we do the things that we do as a church family and how it's our intention that it's a reflection of our deep love for Jesus and our obedience to him. So what I'm going to ask of you this morning is, do you love Jesus with all your heart? And if so, would you allow the proof to be in 
jumping into situations that allows you to grow as a disciple of Jesus, that allows you to make disciples of Jesus, that allows you to be a part of a church family, and that it would all be to the glory of God. Here's kind of our mission statement. I don't know if it's on the screen yet or not, but our mission vision statement of a church, and if you are here very often, you hear me say it, and that is that we're called to be a disciple, make disciples, be the church to the glory of God. And so on a moment ago, whenever Ricky went through the announcements, and like two weeks ago when she gave her seven-minute announcement, I'm exaggerating, but it was quite lengthy, five, thank you. She's back in the back going, five minutes, thank you, Alan. And by the way, Ricky only makes the announcements that she knows that we're asking her to do, so it's not her fault they were five minutes, but they were five-minute announcements, right? And it was like drinking from a fire hydrant, all the things going on. I promise you that our goal is not to keep you as busy as you can be at the church building. But we do believe that there are some programming and events and activities that will put us in a position where we are growing in our faith in Jesus. And so these are why we do these things. Now, your local church, if you're a member of another church, they may do them a little bit differently than what we do. But here are the asks that we have, if you are a church member, if you're involved in our church, that you would consider how you might get in with what God is doing here in order that we might encourage each other and give you resources to live out what it means to be a disciple, make disciples, be the church to the glory of God. I don't have any of these notes on the screen. I'm just going to have some verses on the screen. But the first thing, if it were on the screen, is this. Sunday morning worship services. Sunday morning worship services. You're here. A plus. You're here, right? Sunday morning is a, an important time for the church body to come together. And I realize that some of us have jobs that require you to be at work on a Sunday. For instance, Eric, our worship pastor, is, is a firefighter in Houston. And the reason he wasn't here today is because he's at work in Houston. And we get that. We also know that sometimes we're sick or sometimes we're on vacation. But the reality is this. You and I should not, like at my house, I definitely can't do this. I, you shouldn't be on Saturday night going, hmm, I wonder, should we go to church tomorrow? I don't know. The Cowboys come on at noon. Maybe we should stay home. They're not playing today. I don't think. Y'all want to hear something amazing? At our house, we tried to trim our budget down, and this is hard for me to say, but right now I have absolutely no way to watch a single football game at my house this football season. I know it, so go ahead and send the invites, and I'll come to your house. But in all seriousness, like, it shouldn't even be a matter of discussion on Saturday night. Should we go to church or not? Like, if I'm healthy, if I'm not working... If I'm in town, I should be there. It's funny, these guys came in. I was like, well, what, what time did y'all get in? This young man told me he went to bed at 4.30, guys, and he's here and he's awake, all right? So we can do this. Gathering as a church family is actually a commandment that we see in Scripture. It's not just y'all ought to come, but Jesus says we are to come. He says it in several ways, but one of the ways he says it is through the words of the author of the book of Hebrews. And I want us to look at this. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25. And before I read it, I'm going to say this. God commands us to gather to worship him so that we can encourage and exhort each other to live for Jesus. 
If you want to know what encouragement means, go back to last week's Sunday uh, sermon and you can read, hear, hear it there. But here's what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 and 25 says. He said, sure, and the sermon from that previous Sunday. Uh, we've got amazing news. For the first time, I think, ever in our church body, we have a group that's meeting in Navasota. So if you live in Navasota or you live that direction, you can jump in a group that meets on Wednesday nights, I believe. Wednesday nights. If, if you're like, I don't live in Navasota, I live in College Station Bryan, good news, I got groups in both of those places, right? If you're like, I can't do any day of the week, I work at night, I can't, good news, I got one for you. It's Sundays, it's here at the church building, and you can go grab something to eat or bring something with you, and then you can have Hope Group on Sundays. You're like, ah, all the nights of the week are busy, good news. Everything but Friday and Saturday, we have a group. We have a group on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. We got you covered. Guys, it's important that we gather with other believers to encourage and exhort one another. And we should do that on Sunday mornings. And Sunday mornings is a teaching time. And and Hope Groups is less teaching and more exhorting as we come together to apply the truth of God's Word, which is actually a form of teaching because teaching does not just involve hearing but also doing. You're like, Alan, I've never been in a Hope Group before. Good news, they all kick off in two weeks. Groups are starting new, fresh. You can get in on the front end of the deal, right? You can invite somebody to come in. Here, here's the deal. Go ahead and sign up because we're limiting the number that can join so that you can have a relational situation and one of those groups is already full, but the rest are still open. You need to jump into a whole group. So the question I have for you is this, will you commit to being an active part of a hope group. Notice I didn't say, will you jump in a hope group? Will you join a hope group? Will you sign up for a hope group? I'm saying, will you be an active part of a hope group? Here's the next one. If you were to write down things, number three in this section is equipping classes. You're like, what in the world is equipping class? It's similar to a discipleship class, a Bible study, a Sunday school class. It could be called various things, but at our church we call it equipping class, and we have it on Sunday mornings beginning two weeks from today on September the 10th, and we're coming together to equip each other for the work of the ministry. Consider what Paul says in a section of Ephesians chapter 4. I'm kind of pulling one verse out. You may want to read the rest of it later, but in Ephesians 4 verse 12, Paul says that we are to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. Our equipping classes are designed to be foundational in nature. We have these things that we call core classes, and we believe that every Christian should go through, every church member should go through our core classes to get the foundations of the things of the faith. And so we have one called uh, Christian Story, where we see that the story of the Scripture is the same from front to back. It's not 66 different books. It's one book with one message and how it all fits together. We have a, a class that I'm teaching, by the way, this time called Christian Belief, and it's about how the things we believe matter, and these are the core beliefs that we should have as followers of Jesus. We're also having a Bible study on, on uh, the Minor Prophets, which is from the Old Testament, and then we have a class for women on Thursday nights, and it's on the book of Hebrews. Then we have one for youth, and we have one for college age. They're doing the book uh, called Explore. We have things for children. I encourage you to be equipped to live out your faith, to be discipled, and follow Jesus. Here's another one I would list. Number four, it goes right along with equipment classes because it's discipling, and it's called D-groups. It stands for discipleship groups. 
I, I mentioned last week that I've started a new D group. Two guys meet with me. We meet on a weekly basis, and we're going to read through Scripture together. We're going to get together and pray together. We're going to hold each other accountable. We're going to be a part of each other's lives. We're going to exhort, encourage, prompt, push, encourage to love Jesus in a faithful kind of way. We're actually going to kind of get on to each other in a loving fashion when need be. And we're going to love Jesus together with all of our hearts. And it might be that a D group is something you should jump in. Whether you're in a D group or whether you're in an equipping class or in another discipleship opportunity, we should be living out what 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 2 says. Paul is talking to Timothy. And Paul says, And what you have heard from me... In the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men, you could also say women, women were, you're the disciple too, who will be able to teach others also. Notice there are four generations of disciples in this one. Paul, who disciples Timothy, who disciples, as it says, uh, faithful men, who then in turn disciple others. There's to be a repetition, a replication of disciples who make disciples who make disciples. So I have a question for you as it relates to equipping classes and D groups. Will you find a discipleship option and invest yourself in it? The last section, and then we're going to have a couple of testimonies from some people in our church that have been impacted by all these things. The last thing that I would list is this, ministry teams. Part of being a disciple is serving others. Jesus came to serve, and he gave us an example that we're to serve others as well. I'd like for us to look and see what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 10 and 11. He's talking about the different gifts that we have received, and he says, if you're part of the body of Christ, you've received a gift. He says, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. And so he shares a few examples. He says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of, of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything, here's the deal, that God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So my question for you is this. Are you serving in your local body. My specific question to use kind of a phrase as sports oriented, will you get off the sideline and will you get in the game? There's too many members of churches, this church and others, that we're sitting on the sideline, we're not getting in the game and we're not serving and we're missing out on what God has in store for us. So I'm not saying will you fill one of the slots in our church that needs to be filled. I'm saying will you serve because God's called you to serve because that's a part of discipleship and we'll come alongside of you and find a place. You may be going, Alan, I'm just not as mobile as I used to be. I'm up in years or I'm not as mature in my faith or I'm not real sure where to serve. I guarantee you there is a place and a way for you to serve within your local body of Christ. We'll come alongside of you and help you find that. I want to go ahead and invite a couple of folks up here. I'm going to go ahead and ask Shauna to come up here. I'm going to give her the microphone, and then after her, I'm going to invite someone else, and they're going to share what it is that God has done in and through the life of this church to strengthen them as a follower of Jesus and how these things have impacted their lives. And I'd like you to consider, would you like to have a similar testimony or not? Shauna. All right. Good morning. Um, so I want to share with you something that I hope will encourage you. 
I'll say, I know what it's like, try not to get emotional, I know what it's like to get hurt by a church and hurt so much that you pull away and you say, I'm done and I'm not going. And I know what it's like to go through those dark times when you're not involved. I know what it's like to take that terrifying step and go, Lord, I'm going to trust you and we're going to try again. And I know what it's like to have God so bless you because you've been in a community and how he uses that. So I want to share with you it's just some of the things he's done in my life and my husband's life through that journey. There's all kinds of things I would love to talk about, about how good God is. And, you know, I'm happy to talk about it later. But as I was asking about him what I should share, this is kind of where he had me. So let me give you a little backstory. A uh, long time ago, um, my husband and I, we both grew up in church, different churches, but we both grew up in church, had that kind of, I guess, legacy of, of you grow up in church. You come to church every Sunday. It's not a question. Went to college. You go to church. We got married. We go to church. All great. And so we are at this church, a smaller church, and they said, hey, we'd like you to lead. They didn't call them hope groups, but a small group, college. Great. We'd love to. And so we stepped out in faith and, and tried that and did not go well, right? And no one would come. And even though you know it's not about you, it hurts, right? And I will say it's on us. We should have reached out and asked for more help. But we didn't because we were hurting. And we just kind of kept quietly hurting, and it got worse and worse. So much so that even going on Sunday morning, it just felt like I'm being a hypocrite because I don't even really want to be here right now. Because I just feel like no one sees me, no one supports me. And like I said, we didn't ask for help like we should. A lot of it is on us, but that's where we were. And finally, one day, we just said, we're not going anymore. And we disappeared off that church's radar. We didn't walk that well, I'll just say, (laughs) okay? So at the same time, we're in graduate school, and so we've now lost our only church community, and now the only community we have left is the academic world, which... Most don't believe there is a God, or they don't necessarily believe Jesus is the living God. And not only that, they will tell you, you are an idiot if you believe these things. So we're in this community that's not supportive. And it was a long season of very dark days. Days felt heavy, isolated. I saw almost zero growth in my walk with the Lord. It was hard. Then Daniel, our son, came along right? And for a while, you don't even know what day it is, what time. It was crazy. <laughs> anyway, there, there, we could talk about that too. Um, but he's getting older. And I remember my husband and I looked at each other and said, we refuse to let him not grow up in the church. We refuse. And we are going to put our hurt aside because that is more important And we had to trust God. Because over those dark years, we had tried to go to churches. We had said, try. And then we'd go, and we just felt like it was surface, and we couldn't connect. And we're like, we don't want to go just to go, right? So we had stopped. But we're like, no, this is not okay. We will not persist in this, and so we're going to go. And we thought, okay, we're going to try again, Lord. I need your help, right? And so there was a family, uh, the Waters, Rachel and Sherman Waters, we knew from back Houston, grew up with. And um, anyway, they had been coming here. They were no longer here because they were at Living Hope Bryan, playing a new church. But we're like, okay, we're going to go there. We'll just try it. And we committed, like, you know, we're just going to try it for a while. 
Maybe the first Sunday is not going to go well, and that's okay. And I remember how people loved us when we came. And so we said, okay, we're going to keep coming. And my son, we would drop him off at the preschool, and he would scream the whole time. And they would say, we got this. We love you. It's okay. Okay? And so the Lord started to bring healing and, and trust there. And then we said, okay, we're going to do this hope group thing. And that was hard because we had led a hope group-ish thing, and it got burned, right? And so we went to this first one, and it was like all over again. It was a swarm of people, all college kids. I love college kids. I actually get to teach them. It's wonderful. But here we have the only one with this little child, 11 months, and we're like, this isn't working. And so instead of running away scared, God gave us the boldness, let's try again. So then we go, well, you know, John and Kristen Seal have a little boy named Peter who just happens to be Daniel's age, then maybe they'll get us. We'll try, right? And we laugh, but, like, it was so life-giving to go there, to be loved well, and we're, like, praying, and then we hear the two of them giggling over refrigerator magnets in their kitchen, losing their minds, and it was, it was so sweet to have where we had not been seen and heard or felt that way to now we have people who love us. And so we did that, and then this is my last challenge to you is embrace serving. I remember, I was like, okay, we had one of these like ministry fairs, you get to see where to serve, and I go, all right, Awana, I'll sign up for that. And I did the dumbest thing ever, and I said, where needed, wherever you want me, that's where I'll go. <laughs> really stupid. <laughs> I thought, please, 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 please do not put me, of all the groups, do not put me in the third through sixth grade girls, because I don't know what to do with girls. And my husband's like, you're a girl. I'm like, I know, but I'm not a girl, girl. Like, mm. You know, and so I wasn't popular in high school, and junior high is kind of weird. And so maybe they'll put me with, like, the three-year-olds. I get them. My son's three. Well, guess where they put me? Uh, Yeah. And being so uncomfortable, um, the Lord really grew me in a way he could not have done had I not leaned in. And this church body was so sweet and, like, supported me and came alongside. I learned how to ask for help when I needed it. And it was really great. And so my challenge just to you is I know what it's like. It's hard and to be hurt. But please don't stay there. Let the Lord heal you. And it does take stepping out in faith and saying, Lord, I'm going to lean in, and not every day is going to look great. You know, we went to that first hope group. We were like, I'm out. They're like, no, we got him, Right. We're going to do this, right? And so the Lord really used Daniel as a baby to give us a kick in the pants to do what we really needed to do the whole time. So anyway, that's what I want to share. And um, if you have questions or want to talk about other things, always happy. That's awesome. Thank you, Sean. I appreciate that. You know, she shared about church hurt, and she described what her hurt was. And I realized that in this room, I know for a fact, some of us in this room have gone through church hurt, whether at this church or another church. And the reality is this, that God is with us and we need to lean in and trust him. The other thing I want to point out from that, I'm going to go ahead and ask Clint to come this way. The other thing I want to point out is she said they were hurting. They didn't feel like people were reaching out to them. She owned up to it and said, really, we should have too. But at the end of the day, it's our job as a church body to see people and meet them where they are. And we don't need to say, well, that person never reached out, so tough luck on them. It's our call to be the body of Christ and invite people into our church family. This is Clint. Thanks, Sean. This is Clint. He's going to share his story. Um, I'll say when Alan called me to talk about 
how things have impacted here at Living Hope. I was having literally the worst day I've had in some time. Um, those who know me well know that I have a lot of internal struggles, um, sin, disobedience, just addictions, things that I deal with, and I white knuckle it a lot. Um, but um, he called in the midst of all that and asked me to talk about how God's working in my life. <laughs> and honestly, and normally I don't get nervous speaking, and you'll find out why here in a little bit in front of people, but man, it just made me feel two feet tall because I'm like, no, I really don't want to do that. Um, and honestly, that's kind of the theme of my testimony with this is me trying to be arrogant and tell God, no, nah, I don't want to do that. Um, so to kind of tell you how I got here, um, I'm a preacher's kid, so if you ever wonder what's wrong with me, that is exactly what's wrong with me. Um, growing up in that environment, I also previously was a youth pastor, um, music minister, minister of outreach. I mean, you know that line at the bottom of everybody's job description, other duties as assigned. I feel like associate pastors get that really in full. It's like everything the pastor doesn't want to do, we do, right? Um, so I did that. I was also a math teacher, which is one of the most hated teachers in the world, right? Um, and then I coached basketball and volleyball. And I will say we moved back to College Station four and a half years ago. And at that point, all of that was gone other than my dad. Like, yeah, I'm still a preacher's kid. He's still here. Thank gosh. But the ministry was gone. The teaching was gone. The coaching was gone. And honestly, I was frustrated. I was mad. I'm even getting like, you know, like shaky thinking about it because I was so mad because that was a career that I had worked my entire life towards. And church hurt. That's all I really got to say about it. Church hurt. Some of it was my own doing. Make no mistake. Some of that was my own sin. But a lot of it was how some things were handled, sin of other people, um, and it basically ruined my life, <laughs> as I knew it. But I realize now there was a purpose for that, we'll get to that. But um, at the time, angry, mad, frustrated. It was God's people that was doing this to me. Mad, frustrated. Y'all are going to hear me say that a lot. I'm just telling you how I walked in the doors four and a half years ago. Mad frustrated, ready to be done with it all. In fact, Lacey and I, my wife, we've been married 13 years. And during that time, we might have went to church, what, five times? Like between 2017 and 2019, we were telling everybody we were going, but we weren't. Um, I was mad. (laughs) I was frustrated. And I was done with it because in my mind, what we called church didn't exist or it shouldn't exist. Because it wasn't what I was, I was reading in scripture what it should be. I was reading how God's people should be. But everywhere that I have been, I experienced the direct opposite. So you can imagine when I walk in this door, because I told God I didn't want to move to College Station. I didn't want to move back. We'd lived here before. I was miserable. Didn't want to live here again. I wanted to go back and be with my family, be closer to them. I was like, God, I'm not moving to College Station. Four and a half years ago, we moved to College Station. I also said, all right, God, I kind of feel you. Lacey and I feel you. We want to go to church. We want to try to give this a shot, but we ain't going to live in hope because 
I hate to say it, but part of that church hurt came from this building, from people in this building. We didn't want to come here at all. And honestly, too, you know, that was one reason. But another reason is going to church with your in-laws every week. You know, <laughs> you know, it's not exactly on my to-do list. Actually, I'm joking. I, I really actually am blessed with um, two sets of great in-laws. But, um, but, you know, it's one of those things like, I don't want to go to Living Hope. But we moved on Mother's Day weekend 2019. And Lacey wanted to go to church with her mom. And we walked in. Felt the spirit. Everybody here has experienced that. Where you walk in and you just know there's something different going on at Living Hope. There's just, it, it has a different atmosphere with the people, the welcoming spirit, the way that like 1,500 people tell you hi when you walk in the door and you're like, if you're like, Lacey and I, we don't, we just like to go to our seat and, you know, sit down and leave me alone, right? Um, but we knew something was different. And I had never met Alan, never heard him preach. Didn't know who the heck this guy was. But the second he started speaking, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but the second he started speaking, I said, this guy's anointed. Alan's not perfect. Living hope is not perfect. But this is a healthy church. And I can say that because of all the experiences where I've seen an unhealthy church. And I knew the second that he opened his mouth, I said, that's not Alan speaking, that is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit was speaking very loudly that morning. We walked out the door, and I looked at Lacey, and I will never forget this. I said, we're coming back here, aren't we? She's like, yep. So next, the next week, we were like, okay, we're going to go try to go to another church. Just kind of see. There was another church we, we went to. I say went to because we weren't involved. We went to when we lived here before. And we went there. There was nothing wrong with the service. We knew the pastor. He used to be Lacey's youth pastor here, and there was nothing wrong. There was nothing out of the ordinary, but we, we looked at each other. We were walking out the door and said, this isn't it, is it? And we're like, nope, we've got to go live in hope next week. And so that's when we started going. And, you know, he talked about the areas of worship, hope groups, D groups, and serving. And I said no and was absolutely disobedient in all four of those. Uh, the, the, the equipping class, that's a whole different thing. I won't talk about that, uh, cause I was just in a season in my life where I didn't feel the Lord leading me to that, but I am gonna be a part of one this, this semester. But those are the four main things where I was telling God, I don't wanna do that. I don't wanna go to Living Hope. Well, here we are. We're going to Living Hope just about every week. And then it comes, that was, we go over the summer, we're coming into the fall, a new season for Hope Groups. And we're like, nope. God, I don't want to do this. <laughs> you know, I'm mad, I'm angry, I'm frustrated. Because you got to understand, at that point in my life, I had been working towards being a teacher and a coach and a youth pastor and a music minister and all those other things that I thought God had laid on my heart to do when I realize now that is absolutely not what I was supposed to be doing. He taught me through all of that. But, I mean, I was now working retail. Uh, I got my salary cut in half, which those of you who are teachers and coaches in the room, it's not like we do that for the money, right? Like that was cut in half. And so I was frustrated. I was angry. Those words again, right? So we're going into, to, uh, that season of, uh, hope groups and things. And I think we had just joined the church. We had just said, all right, we're going to join. But I was like, God, I don't want to serve right now. I don't want to go to a hope group. I don't want to do all those things, right? Well, here we go. We're going to hope group. We went to Eric's hope group, actually. And it was there that Eric started kind of working on me. He's like, 
hey, I, I think you should be serving on the worship team. And I was like, nope, <laughs> nope, not going to do that. Well, um, y'all see, I play bass nearly every week. It's almost like a part-time job now. But a non-paying. Yes, a non-paying part-time job. But it pays in a lot of different ways. Uh, but, but it was one of those things that like, I did not want to do that. But when we started being obedient, God showed us a lot of things through Eric's group. We, and then we've, we've kind of hopped around with different hope groups because we wanted to meet different people. Um, it's, a, it's a really, yes, you want to walk alongside people for a very long time, but us being new to the church and not having been here, even though her family's been here for over 20 years, there's a lot of new faces here, um, even four and a half years ago when we came. So we wanted to kind of move around. So we went to Alan's Hope Group. Uh, God really did a number on us there, too, and was working through us. And then now we're in Randy Bowder's Hope Group. And let me tell you, being obedient to that call, um, he would hate the fact that I'm bringing this up. But because it's, it's, it's not him doing anything, but God working through Randy. But Randy is now one of my best friends. He has saved my life. <laughs> like, God's used him to save my life. Let me put it that way. But he has been such a godsend. And the Spirit, um, the Holy Spirit, has just been slowly been able to release ever since. Because we talk about the nitty-gritty. We talk about those internal struggles. We talk about that sin. We talk about the addiction that I had completely ignored for 20-plus years that I had never addressed. And we addressed it. <laughs> oh, boy, did we address it. It's not, I, I'm just going to tell you, I hate it. And I struggle a lot. It's been a year and I'm still struggling trying to understand what that has been doing to my life. How that has been the biggest catalyst for me not being obedient. Um, and so being in a D group. So not only was we were in his hope group. We're in his D group. Or I'm in his D group. And we've, man, God has been using that tremendously. Probably saved my marriage. So those things are very important. And still continuing with the serving there is one thing I told God, I said, I absolutely do not want to do. I'll do pretty much anything else, but I do not want to serve with students. There's a lot of hurt there, a lot of pain, a lot of church hurt. I was like, I don't want to serve there. Well, lo and behold, Howard hits me up. <laughs> if you spend two seconds with Howard and he's got something on his mind, yeah. <laughs> the, those discussions ensued, and I told him straight up. He, he approached me about a year and a half ago. I said, nope. And I, I, told, I basically told him no and leave me alone about it. Don't ask me again. And he got the picture. Well, uh, this spring got the opportunity to be obedient. Because I knew God, as soon as Alan told the church that we were going to have a team go to Guatemala, I knew in that second the Holy Spirit wanted me to go. And normally, I would make up a million excuses as to why not to go. Um, you know, finances, time off work, whatever. And the fact that we were running a camp with students. That was a no-go for me. A lot of pain, a lot of hurt there. Um, but I knew as soon as I heard the words Guatemala, or Guatemala, Camp Gomeski, going, I knew the Holy Spirit wanted me to go. So I said, all right, you know what? I spent this entire time being disobedient. I'm going to try to do... This one thing, <laughs> say yes. And so I did. And I went. And God healed a lot of stuff there. A lot of stuff there. And we'll talk more about that tonight. Um, shameless plug tonight at the Family Celebration. We'll be talking about missions this summer, right? And that's one of them. And God healed a lot of things. But then when I got back, 
I felt him speaking. It's like, you need to talk to Howard. Talk to Howard. I'm like, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. Uh, So finally I did. I sat down with Howard. I just told him everything, what was going on. And uh, I told him, I said, you know what? I don't want to do it. But I know God wants me to. So whatever this looks like, I'm here. I'm here to help. And I tell you, the second that I did that, God opened up a lot of doors in my heart to start working on some of those those wounds, the scars, all even, you know, started to address more about the sin and struggle in my life and being able to hit that head on and not be ashamed. And it took obedience, me to stop being arrogant enough to tell God, say, I don't want to do that, but to start being obedient and following after him. Am I perfect? Absolutely not. My family here will tell you that Clint is not perfect, never will be. Do I got my stuff all together right now? Absolutely not. I'm still working on a lot of things, but being obedient to God and saying yes instead of pushing everything to the side, kicking that can down the road, does wonders to your spiritual life. And I'm here to to, to say this morning um, that you don't have to have it all together. I am a hot mess. I'm a piece of work. Lacey can tell you we struggle on a daily basis because of my past, the things that I won't let go, the struggles that I have. And she'll tell you, Clint's not perfect. But what I, would, what I will tell you is this past year and a half, when we really got down dirty with our spiritual lives and started being obedient, God has worked miracles. That, that spirit of timidity and fear that I have been carrying around for so long, it has, it has pretty much been wiped away. And, and do, do I like wanting to work with students and, and, and knowing that that past is there and things? No, I don't. But I tell you what, just in the past two Wednesday nights, Preteen camp over the summer and working at Camp Gamiska this summer, I knew for an absolute fact that is where God wanted me to be. And so, continuing to do that. Um, so, my encouragement to you is number one, be here on Sunday mornings. That, that was our first step. Second, what he's saying, being in a hope group, because that opened the door to know the different ways that we could serve. And us happened to be, I don't know that was God's divine intervention, but being in Eric's hope group, he was able to kind of help me with kind of a lot of the struggles that I had with being back up here and, 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 and those things. And, and I love serving on the worship team. I love being in my corner and being the weird bass guy that nobody hears, nobody cares about, right? But I'm a, I just, I love doing it. I, I absolutely love doing it. And it, just that one simple yes started, that started the ball rolling. And then getting involved with uh, a D group and being with godly men who, who just are honest about their struggles. Honest about where we're at. Don't just come up and say, hey, how are you doing? Oh, I'm fine. Great. This is a great breakfast. Talk about whatever. No, we're talking about some very life-changing things over, over some eggs and bacon, right? And, and so do that. If you don't have a D group, get in. Find some people, two or three men, two or three women however many that you need to, smaller groups, you know, to get in there and, and be honest. Take it seriously. Be honest and, and to, to, to be upfront about your struggles. Because um, one of the reasons why I wasn't is I was afraid about how people would react, right? That's one reason why we keep our sin inside of us is because we're afraid of how people are going to react and, and treat us differently. But I can tell you, this is the first church that I've ever been a part of where I can go to just about any man in this room, I can tell them exactly what I'm struggling with. And they look at me and say, yes, you're in the wrong, but I love you. Let's work on this together. And I can tell you that doesn't happen at other churches. 
So, again, we're not perfect. Living hope is not perfect. We have things that we struggle with. But one of the things I hold on to and I tell people about, and I love telling my parents about because my dad's in a real big struggle right now with, uh, with kind of where he's at. And, gosh, I hope they go back and watch this. That He just ignores this part, right? <laughs> but he, they're struggling. And I love to tell them about what's going on at Living Hope because this is a real church. <laughs> These are real people who care about Jesus, who love Jesus, and want others to experience that. And I have never and I repeat, never have experienced that in a church before. And I grew up. I've been going to church since before I was even out of my mother's womb. <laughs> right. I was born into the first, uh, my dad's first pastor. Uh, my mom got pregnant with me while they were there. So I've been literally going ever since I could go. And I still struggled and I still had that. But the biggest part of that is because I had things in my life and sin in my life that I'd never addressed. And I turned 33 years old two weeks ago, and I am embarrassed to say it took 32 years to honestly to, to address some of that stuff in the proper way. Yes, I repented of it. Yes, I asked for forgiveness where, where that was needed for, from both God and people. And I've worked and then tried to do it all myself. But to really address it where it needed to be addressed and to let the Spirit take over my life, that didn't happen until this time last year. And, and so, you know, for somebody like me, that's kind of embarrassing to say, you know, because I've been in church. I was, I was on staff, you know, and, and so it's, it's, it was frustrating, but it's also relieving to know that we're all broken people. Alan is a broken person. Nothing that Alan does is going to be 100% perfect. But what I can tell you what this church does, Alan, the elders, the staff, and, 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 and everybody else that's involved here is they, they want to do what's right. They want to do what God leads them to do. And I can say with absolute certainty that this is a healthy church. Yes, we want to keep growing. We want to keep doing these things. And this is exactly why we're talking about this this morning, is that we want to be more involved. We have to be more involved because we are a point in our society, especially right here in America, where living churches are, are hard to find. And God's people are hard to find because we're sitting silent on the sidelines. And we got to stop doing that. Um, so that's where I'm at. <laughs> right. uh, my happy story. So, bye. Thanks, Clint. So you can see that God is doing some things through the life and ministry of this church family. And I would pray that you would listen to these testimonies and what I shared and consider where is the Lord leading you. Uh, we're going to start singing in just a second. Before we get there, I'm going to walk through some next steps. There are 12 of them. That seems like a lot, but I'm going to hit them fast, and they are simple enough that you can see the application of each one of these. Here's some next steps you may need to take. First one is this. Some of you need to trust in Jesus for salvation. Don't do it on your own. You can't do it on your own. The only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by him. The next next step is follow him in baptism. Some of you are already believers, but you have not taken that step of obedience with baptism. And we would love for you to sign up, be a part of a baptism. The third one is this, prioritize Sunday morning worship service. Uh, not just when it's convenient, but all the time. The fourth area, some of you need to take the church membership class. We've got another one coming up in about three or four weeks. You've been here for a while and you've been here for a long time. Step up and take the class. The next step is this, become a church member. What I mean by that is some of you have taken the class. It may have been weeks, months, or years since you took the class, but the Lord may be leading you to go ahead and take that step and say yes to church membership. The next step is this, 
the personal spiritual disciplines, reading scripture, spending time in prayer, um, could be fasting, could be lots of things, tithing, giving financially, being a good steward of your finances. The next one is this, sign up for a hope group. Now's the perfect time to do it. We kick off in two weeks. I told you already there's lots of options. The next one is this, sign up for an equipping class. Those also start in two weeks. Take a core class or jump in one of the other Bible study classes. Like I said, I'll be leading the Christian beliefs study. The next one is this, be open to joining a D group. You're going to be getting more information about that soon. Um, Clint talked quite a bit about it. You may have people approach you and ask you to be in their discipleship group. The next one is this, serve on a ministry team here at Living Hope. It's time to step up and serve. If you're able to serve and you're just receiving and you're a member of this church, you're missing out on how God wants to grow you. You need to step up and start serving. Uh, the next one is this, go on a mission trip. We're still in planning stages for the upcoming mission trips. Come tonight and you'll hear more about testimonies of what God can do on mission trips. And then the last one is this, live for the glory of God. That everything we do should be about him. I'm going to invite the worship team on up here. Uh, we're running a little bit late, so I want to go ahead and call them up here. We're going to do uh, one song, and we're going to ask the uh, ushers in just a moment to go ahead and collect the offering. Uh, when I say the offering, it could also be the connection cards. We're going to go ahead and pass that during the, the first song because we're just going to have one song. And so during that song, offering plates will be passed. Also during that song would be a chance for you to come and pray at the altar if you feel led to do that. Come and pray with me if you feel led to do that. After the service is over with, um, you can stop by and talk to me if there's anything you want to sign up to be a part of. On the connection card, there's lots of places where you can sign up for things, including where to serve on a ministry team, any spiritual decisions you may need to make, any of those next steps that we just walked through, you can drop that in there. If you're like, Alan, we're just doing one song, I don't have a chance to fill this out, then after the church service dismisses, fill it out and drop it in an offering box, and we'll get it this week, okay? Lots of different ways to respond. One last thing, I'd encourage you. That this morning before you leave this building, pull out your phone, go to lhbc.net slash the hope, and on the hope, there's everything that you can sign up for. These hope groups, equipping classes, baptism, membership class, if you need any help with that, then stop by and talk to one of us. I'm going to go ahead and ask you to stand with us. I'm going to lead us in prayer. At the end of the prayer, uh, we're going to start singing. Worship. Uh, the ushers will be passing the plates. I'll be available to pray with you at the front if the Lord is leading you to come forward. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this chance to be here today to worship you. God, we're grateful for what you're doing in and through the life and ministry of this church family. God, I thank you for these that have shared with us this morning about how you have done your work through the ministry here and how you've called all of us to be a part of the local church that we're a part of. Father, I pray for those that are here and they're a part of another local body that they would go back home and plug in in these kinds of ways. For those that call this their church home, that they would step up, we would step up and follow you in that regard. God, we thank you for this offering we're taking and the connection cards will be placed in there. God, I pray that you would not allow us to leave this place this morning without us doing business with you as you do business with us and that we would say yes to you wherever you're leading us. It's in the powerful name of Jesus that I pray. Amen. Let us worship. Let us respond as the Lord leads us.
streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs about his praise teach me some melodious song sung by flaming tongues above praise the mouth that fixed upon it mount of thy outside of Jesus Christ. Father, we worship you for your name is above all names. Forgive us where we have put our name above your name. Forgive me for whenever I act as if it's about Alan instead of about you. Forgive us, Lord, when we think it's about living hope instead of about you. Father, it's our prayer that we would love you with our all, all of our heart and that we would pursue your glory and nothing else. Father, I pray that you would take what we have heard and experienced this morning and would you bring conviction where conviction is needed? Would you bring hope and encouragement and peace where it is needed? And Father, I pray that you would give us the ability to step out and say yes, that we would commit to these things not because Alan has asked us to, not because it's a church program, not because I've got to fill up my week with church activities, but rather, God, that we would see that you can take these things and draw us